Hi, you're listening to Community Radio. This is 8CCC FM 102.1 in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek. And this is Kitchen Radio, a new show all about seasonal food, what's growing here in your local community and what to do with it in your kitchen. Good evening, Rita Katoni, and welcome to Kitchen Radio. This is your show. Come on down. Well, it's our show. (laughs) I'm in the driver's seat tonight. We're trying something a little bit different. And, uh, I think we're trying to progress onto the pea plates, aren't we? We are. We yeah. are. We're trying to get off our learners and onto the pea plates. So uh, thank you if you're tuning in again or if you're first time listening, then this is uh, C Community Radio, as the promo said. So 102.1 FM here in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek uh, and broadcasting, of course, uh, via live streaming on the World Wide Web. What have we got on today, Rita? Well, I thought I'd start off with talking about what I've been cooking this week or what I think I've been cooking well this week. Yes. And I cooked fish tacos this week. Mm. Or they might have been tortillas. I can't believe you've been talking about this for weeks and I still haven't come around for dinner. Oh, yes, I did. I won't say about that on here. Okay. Yes. So she the fed me sausages. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, yeah, it's the one thing I still carry with me when I go into state. I still purchase sausages because I, you still can't get great sausages in Alice Springs. <gasps> There's more controversy. Straight up with the controversy. I know. Can't get good sausages in Alice no, Springs. No, no. You can get lots of other things here now. Yes. Like you can get uh, interesting beer. Yes. And you can get all um, sorts. good salami here. Pretty much everything, hey? But sorry, all those butchers out there, you just haven't passed muster when it comes to sausages. Anyhow, I'm not here to talk about sausages. <laughs> I want to talk about fish tacos. Yes. So I used a cod. Mm, and yum. I marinated it in lime juice and coriander and salt. And then I tossed it in oh, I had, tossed it in tapioca flour. But, you know, you could use rice flour or you could use corn flour. Yes. Or potato flour, which is my favourite. And then I just shallow fried it. And then I served that with guacamole and sliced uh, red cabbage. But then I made homemade tortillas. Yes. And they were particularly good. And I have had my tortilla pressed for a lot of years. It took me quite a while to learn how to make tortillas. Yes. I know. It seems like it would be really obvious, but it's no, not. No. Not to me, who's never even thought of trying. And I, I looked at a lot of recipes, but you know what helped me in the end? It was a YouTube video. Uh, <laughs> excellent. There is, is it because that's a better recipe or is it just something about uh, it seeing, was, it, seeing the process? Yeah, it was both a better recipe. It used yeah. oil in the mixture, which, oh, which yeah. then made it sort of hold together and actually okay. seeing the process. So I think there's a lot to be said for recipe books, but there's yes. also a great deal to be said for uh, YouTube. I, um, I Googled a YouTube this week, a cooking-related one, which was how to make a Vietnamese coffee because I have one of those oh, gorgeous yes. little, you know, drip filter coffee makers and I thought it's got this piece that I wasn't quite sure how you know the press part the filter part yeah it just seems to be superfluous to me so I thought I'll just gonna google in case maybe I'm using it wrongly perhaps I've missed something there but anyway I happened upon a clip that was believe it or not to make one drip filter coffee five and a half minutes long oh wow and the whole video was like half out of shot like more of the person's hand than actually the coffee pot and classical music and no voiceover. But so I did look at only one minute of it and I got the gist. Oh, that's it great. It was enough to get the gist and make me realise, no, I'm not, I haven't missed anything and I don't have to use that field part if I don't really want to. And how was the coffee? 
coffee was good. It got me going. That's did its good. job. Oh, I love that coffee. Yeah. We've ended up with about five or six of the Vietnamese coffee makers <laughs> and we don't use them anymore. So if anybody out there really wants a Vietnamese coffee maker, I'm happy to give any of I'm them away. I'm having a lawn sale tomorrow, Rita. So if you want to donate them, then... Uh... Oh, yeah. I just have to find them. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we do actually have a program to get on with. Should we... Yeah, well, this is the program oh, talking yeah. about cooking. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, have you bought any fruit or veg? Have you seen any good produce that's been grown locally? Yes. Well, I actually missed Food for Alice, which is my regular shop last week because I was uh, working all day from eight in the morning at a different at a different job, blah, blah, blah. I couldn't get there. You know how it goes. So instead of going in the after hours to raid the community garden, I did get donated some vegetables a selection of salad veggies from some friends, which was pretty delicious, straight from their garden. And one one of the things in that gift of vegetables was a, a big um, wombok cabbage. Actually, not so big, but okay. like a nice healthy size one. Not one of those gigantic, oh my goodness, I don't, what am I going to do with that for the next eight weeks? But the one of the people, it was a couple, and one of the people had harvested it and put it in a bag for me. But the other person in the couple hadn't seen the cabbage so when it got presented to me they were all like oh oh, hang on I just want to have a look first I haven't seen it oh did you harvest that cabbage it was really interesting we were because we were talking earlier about how people get attached you put in a lot of time and effort into your babies into your babies in the garden whatever it might be your own produce and uh yeah maybe you get a little bit attached too you want to see how it is when it's launched into the world if it's getting given away you might want to see it first or you want to want to know who's who you're giving right. it away to. Yeah. Wish it well on its yeah. journey or whatever it might be. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty sweet. And oh, that's uh, great. There's, there's quite a few good stories we might bring up over time about about that. Yeah. Are we allowed yeah. to mention the controversy or we're no, saving that No, I don't think up? so. Okay. I think we should um, research it a little bit okay. more. Okay, all right. I got leaf greens are great and I got citrus yes. and there were no eggs left. Oh. So I actually drove all the way out to Raganese Road and I went to Happy Farmer and I got some of his eggs Eggs out of the uh, farm gate fridge. Absolutely. I would recommend anybody goes to that effort for locally Mm. grown eggs. Yeah, yeah. It is incredible how um, I remember, well, I've been here 20 years now, but I know one of my first jobs in town, Rita, was at a place called Red Centre Produce, which was over on Milner Road. And um, that was the place then that I think people used to go for their fresh stuff. It's like the the premium Pete's, but back then, um, because it was sort of, sort of, you know, bulk stuff straight up from Adelaide markets, a bit fresher than the supermarkets and more unusual things. You could get fennel and, you know, things that in the supermarket you perhaps couldn't back then. Uh, Yeah, but we've come a long way, haven't we? We Now we have have our very own organic farm gate fridge out there at Happy Farmer. It's great. We still don't have good sausages here, but that's... (laughs) I'm just labouring the point. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you don't still don't see a lot of bush produce even at yeah. food for alice and I, I can remember years ago i think afghan traders used to sell um some bush produce yes uh whereas it, it's almost impossible to buy bush produce in any of the fruit and veg or grocery shops in alice springs yes i'd say so particularly I, if it's fresh maybe you might be able to buy some dried yakajiri yeah sure, i don't know where though through um through Kungus can cook and Raylene. Possibly, yeah. But yes, I don't think Afghan traders supplies those things. We did, certainly did used to, in bulk, supply uh, roasted bottle seed, the coffee. Mm. Maybe you can still, and maybe I just haven't looked, but and dried kachara, the bush tomato. and yeah, yeah, so I went out looking for our ingredient of the week today. I wanted to buy it somewhere, and yes. I, couldn't, no. I couldn't buy it anywhere. No, you had to raid it. Yes. <laughs> you had to go the stolen fruit option. 
Um, so our food, our produce for the week, do we have it there? Yes, here. Oh, our it's, special um, ingredient. It's known by a few names. It's sometimes called the, the desert peach. Our expert today will give us a couple of names on it as well. But yes. It's, it's beautiful and red. Yes. And it's actually a, a desert, um, it's a desert fruit, yes. which is the kwandong. Profoundly beautiful kwandongs, which if you're in the know, um, do grow locally as a, as a garden tree. I don't know whether, are they actually, do they grow wild here in Alice Springs? Do you know that? Well, we've got to wait for the... The I think we need to wait for the expert. Ex- for the expert. I know yeah. they do in Central Australia generally and obviously further south. They are a native to, to the Flinders the Ranges desert, and so yep. on. But certainly as a garden tree and there's even a few planted as street trees presumably by individuals as opposed to the council, but I, what would I know? And around different public gardens and so on. But um, absolutely stunning bright red fruit that is um, around at this time of year. Yep. Uh, and often for quite a while they do last and they you know they're often just on the ground too I did have a look at a public planting type tree today to just to take a photograph and um, there was quite a few on the ground and not even eaten by birds or anything just in their premium gorgeous quality yeah so incredible so if you don't know the Kwandong then uh, keep your eye out or do a little google search they're stunning to look at and very fun to play with in the kitchen. I was fortunate to run into Fiona Walsh, who's a, um, a Kwandong expert, and she she showed me her, all of her Kwandong trees and told me a lot about the Kwandong. Yes. So we might just cut to an interview that I did with Fiona yesterday about Kwandongs. Let's get to it. Enjoy. The story I'd really like to get across is that find Kwandong seed, grow them, and I can suggest a good way to grow them, and that will help keep the biodiversity of kwandongs in production because it's declining out bush because camels uh, eat them they're ice cream plants for camels so that would be the you know grow them in your garden and then enjoy the fruits of the trees in a few years bowl of kwandongs here so that, that that's some um, dried fruit there but they're only fresh dried fruit i've got inside dried fruit from a year ago so i tend to when they're cropping which is right now this is the skins of fruit that i picked this year and inside i've got dried fruit from last year which is still totally fine and good and has lasted a year and not actually lost its sugar content or its flavor so drying it to store and then reconstituting it with stewing, I think, is one of the really best ways to go. Yeah. Sorry, what, what are you doing with these? Are you just like nibbling on these, or are these? Oh, you can. Well, you can eat those like they are. So that's just fallen fruit. Mm. But then here in this little oh. orange pot is fruit that I stewed on the weekend. You're welcome oh, to thank you. to taste that with as much mouthfuls as you want. No sugar, so that's oh, really? just the natural. This is a particularly, particularly good tree, which is sweeter than others. Some plants I would definitely add sugar to, um, but this one seems to just have a really high, high enough sugar content to be cookable and, and quite palatable in its own sugars. And it's quite brown. Other times I've seen stewed kwandong and it's quite pink. Yeah, How come it's lost so its the, the, it's not lost its colour. The trees have a, a very variable... And this particular tree has got a much lighter coloured fruit than what we'll look at on the south side of the garden where there's really red, this sort of colour red, red ones. So the colour, I mean it's oxidised a bit too, but the colour reflects the, the sort of the base colour of the original fruit that's being stewed. So, so this is more a pale rose 
like a you know, an English rose. So um, are they different varieties of yep. condor? Okay. Yeah, but oh, they're not formally recognised genetically. They're not recognised genetically as different varieties. And I don't think anyone's done that sort of detail mm. of, of work. And that is actually a job that should be done. So in the South Australia, these are classified as threatened species. So in wild populations are almost extinct in most of the arid region because of predation, predation, because of browsing and damaged by camels. And does the colour reflect the sweetness? No, doesn't seem to have any relation. In fact, some of the red fruit can be really tart. Mm. Uh, no, it seems to be something else. I mean, the, the trees are quite distinct. So here we're looking to the east end of my, my garden and there's a tree which is oh, five metres tall. And it also, like this one in front of us, has a apricot coloured fruit. And it's a much bigger fruit. It's looser on the seed. It has a softer flavour. Uh, and it, it's also got slightly more grainy. Someone described it the other day when we were here with the group as being like quince when it's cooked, a more grainy sort of texture. So they're, they're very variable. And I have to, I mean, now I really think it's important to give credit to Pindaro people and Madu people. And I mean, these are the queen of desert fruit. I've got, a, there's a book in front of us that's called Jewel of the Australian Desert, which doesn't much acknowledge the Aboriginal history, but as a ethnobotanist, I would forecast that or predict that these trees have been, the fruit of these trees have probably been moved around the continent by Aboriginal people for millennia. Particular varieties selected, trees protected from burning and sort of cared for and managed in other ways. There's jukupa for them, there's paintings for them, there's you know family life stories of people remembering eating them as kids, uh, me included even though, yeah, I'm from a pastoral whitefellow colonial family. So there's big Aboriginal stories. Um, I grew, I knew them first as Kwangdongs, I knew them second from Madu people as Jawali, and then more recently as Mangada, and then more recently they're Aram the name. So they've got big stories is what I'm saying about them. And I think it's really important for everybody to know that these come from the work of Aboriginal people and the labour and the love and the care of Aboriginal people. And then in bringing them from Pitindara lands into Alice Springs, there was Josephine Mick and Ushma Scales. And Ushma uh, married into a Pitindara family and had the foresight to recognise that these were really precious plants. And he collected lots of different varieties of them and then cultivated them himself out at the family block at Papa, but then he also grew seedlings which he gave to people around Alice Springs and so I'm the fortunate custodian of the trees that the Ushi 28 years old and they were if not planted by Ushi they were certainly given to the owner of this house then as as seedlings for them to plant so yeah there's a tree that tree is 28 years old that we're looking Can I have at a look that at tall one okay let's go and look at them yeah and anyone who's in old east side if they walk up the laneway between Raggett Street and Burke Street they'll get to see these trees hanging over the laneway and generously sharing their fruit with the neighbourhood um, and also with the um, bowerbirds so the bowerbirds have actually eaten quite a lot of, oh, there goes one there the bowerbirds have eaten a lot of fruit this year more than any other year and I think that's a sign of it being a really dry year and and so the bowerbirds collect them as green fruit and decorate their boughs. It's probably hosting off the ruby salt bush. It could be hosting off this red mud, but no, red bud mallee. 
red bud mallee, but I doubt it. I think it's the ruby saltbush. So they start off as, they'll germinate. They need a host pretty quickly and they start off as partial parasites. We don't know, and it's possible that the mature plants are just a freestanding, don't need a, a host plant. So it's like mistletoe. They have a relationship to a plant who gives them part nutrients, part water. So they'll have roots interconnected. So in terms of gardening them, that's a really important thing to remember. It means putting more effort into looking after the host plants than the actual kwangdongs themselves. I mean, I keep an eye on the kwangdongs, but I particularly watch the condition of the, of the host plants. This one will fruit for about three weeks. So to describe the fruit, oh, what do they look like? They look like, come on Rita, they, they're, they're bright green, glossy, round. Uh, they're paired often. So they, they always remind me of baubles on a Christmas tree. Yeah. Green baubles in this case, but then there's apricot baubles and more pinker baubles up high. And then on a different tree, they look like red baubles. So there's sort of variants on, you know, inch and a half wide baubles. Uh, and they'll continue to ripen. I pick them when they fall as fruit. I mean, you can pick them just as ripe fruit off the plants. You can eat that, that's quite edible. So Rita's got, she's biting into oh, wow. a- Oh flesh is really thick too. Yeah, so this was the one that people described mm. as being like quince when it was mm. uh, stewed. See, I don't remember them having that much flesh in one This is a before. particularly, so I reckon Ushi's deliberately, Ushim Scars has deliberately chosen this variety because it's a really big fruit. It's mm. quite fleshy, so you get lots of stewed fruit. It's not the most flavoursome one. Mm. It's not as flavoursome as that one that I'd stewed that you tried earlier, but it's a really nice looking yeah. plant. It always, this tree always ripens about four weeks before the tr its neighbouring trees who are a totally different variety. Mm. Um, much smaller fruit, they turn bright red. Okay, well what I'm excited about, so when my, when my parents and I bought here, this was a really, these four trees or were a really important reason for buying this block. I mean other reasons too. But I, I grew up with these as childhood trees. My mum used to make jams and pies. But I was really curious about how to grow them and she told me how to grow them. But I've since worked out a different growing method where the trees don't have to be transplanted from being in little pots or beds of seedlings, where I just work that the, that the seeds grow in situ where I want the final plant. So there's another one, That's, that tree's six, oh. six years old. Funny. Can you put colour in on your <laughs> radio <laughs> no. program? It's so it's beautiful. The of, mm, something that's glistening and can bright. I, can and I alluring. eat these ones too? Yeah, pick them. Yeah, because yeah. it's good to compare the taste. Yeah. yeah. And this is the first year. So you're one of the first people to eat fruit off this tree. Oh, wow. This is the first year that this tree's fruited. And I'm very proud because that comes from seeds that I laid. So you planted the seed itself? I didn't actually plant them, I lay them. I don't lay them like a chook does. Um, sorry. <laughs> I put them on the ground, but I'll describe in a sec how I do it, because uh, mm. when we come to the last patch. Yeah, next to the chook yard. Oh, that's even brighter. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're going from sort of, you know, pale to a little bit brighter, and these are like... Bright, reveal themselves. Bright red. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, some really sexy red lipstick. It's yeah, that. Yeah, it's shiny. That and shiny and 
delicious. And, and this is also the first year that this tree oh, has okay. had its own fruit. And it's been quite productive. This tree's seven years old. Oh, look at that. Oh, my oh. God, it's gorgeous. You can almost see, your, see yourself oh. in, it, in the... Oh, and that tastes different again. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So they look different. Each, each, each type looks different. It's not actually bot botanically a variety, but yeah. we'll call it common English way of variety. And so these ones, when you're cooking them, are going to retain more of that, that red? That, yeah, so they'll cook up yeah. in a darker, mm. richer red than that, that what you had ate earlier. But I think I preferred the first one, actually, that was paler. And, yeah. Oh, by the yeah. first? Oh, okay. Mm. Why? Mm. What, how would you describe that one for flavour? Um, it's just not as tart. Hmm. I like I like the tartness mm. of them, and that's yeah. I agree. I I like tart fruit. I wouldn't say I have not actually eaten. You you. I haven't eaten one of these. Mm. Um, last time, no no no. <laughs> last time I was here, it was one of the visitors who came in the tour group who ate another fallen one. And so here's another one. Oh. So this one. I mean, look at that one. So that there's a red. So oh, pretty beautiful. I won't actually pick that because um I think I'll photograph that. The, I'm really happy because that one is from a bunch of seeds again that I laid and put down. So I can quite confidently say, you know, these are trees that I've grown and nurtured um, and will keep doing so. So there's four there, original trees. And there was a, a fifth, this one, and this, that tree fruited 11, kilo, 11 kilos in 2011. And then it got hit by that big hailstorm that we had and it died. Um, there were Madu people who came into Waluna, uh, not Waluna, yeah, Waluna, and with, they'd been living off Krongdongs, this very old couple had been living off Krongdongs for, for weeks solo, uh, like didn't have any other foods, and that was their, their main food. And the woman is carrying, I mean, I don't know how much, would, she'd be carrying five kilos of fruit in a Kulaman that would have weighed, you know, eight kilos. Have you seen those images? Very famous. I actually just bought the book this afternoon this was about the is it the pinabinai but they were subsisting on kongdongs for a really long time nutritious enough to sustain sort of you know hard-working hunter-gatherers they're native so they're found more central and south alice springs they they like the red sand country or they like really they like deep soils and to be within the frost line they don't tend to be found sort of really much north of Alice Springs. This is sort of near their range limit. They're quite fickle plants to grow, so they're very vulnerable to getting root phytophthora and um, fungal diseases in their roots, and they'll turn up their toes and sort of die or drop their leaves or get black spots on them. But, you know, despite them being fickle, I'm really surprised, like this year, they're probably one of the few productive bush foods in the Central Australian region, given how dry it is. But that's because they're hosting. So these ones are vigorous because they're hosting off a plant who's feeding, you know, little lifelines of water and nutrients into them. Even as adult trees, they're still... To a degree, but we don't really know. That's right. Mm. We don't know how long they have to piggyback for. And it, it quite possibly varies. I mean, the trees that I knew when I grew up as a kid were often not clustered in groups like this though often classic tree form like a child will draw them of a, a single trunk and this beautiful big spreading crown and they were trees that might have been you know 50 100 plus years old with not because it was sheep country that was heavily grazed with not very much growing around them 
but they were sort of ticking along doing just fine. We'd go and we'd park a ute under them and someone would shake the tree and the fruit would fall into the back of the ute and then we'd we'd sweep them up and get yeah enough quantity. As you know there's people like Ruth Jones in Alice who when I first came here 25 years ago she was commercially selling Kwangdong jam. So I'll tell you how I do it. I find a host plants at the time this ruby salt bush was oh, about a foot high you know doing reasonably well and I dug out not just with my hands a basin about the size of a good pasta bowl and lay the fruit, the marbles or the, the seeds of the, not the seeds, side by side by side next to their potential host plant. In the, the point of having the basin is that it can hold water when the drip is on. So, and I really I was concentrating on keeping the ruby salt bush in good shape rather than the Kwangdong plant itself. And the point of having them in, in this bowl is that, so the, the story goes that Kwangdongs have to go through the gut of an emu to germinate, and that's probably true, that probably does help germinate them. But there's no emus in my backyard and yet I'm still getting really good germination, so there's something else going on. I didn't want to have to go through the loss stage of transplanting them, because that's when lots of seedlings are really vulnerable. But what's important is I also use a mulch, and I, I mean my approach to gardening is pretty to emulate as much what the bush does and so I was thinking okay I want a mulch that's like these soft leaves of the Kwangdong plant several really beautiful vigorous whitewoods and they make a nice thick mulch and I just cover a really dense dense mulch of whitewoods on top I know it doesn't work putting eucalypt leaves on top because I've tried that and I didn't get any germination so sand and then the whitewood mulch yeah and the, the dripper and the host plant so those, you know, five components with the, the seed or the sand, the host plant, the seed, the dripper and the mulch, five components. And then really just leave them there. And, you know, I, so I've been doing this for uh, six years now and when we've got, you know, the, I don't know how many plants there are, but there's 20, 25 plants around who are, you know, just coming into production. Not enough to be commercial, but, you know, I have this ambition to see this as a Kwangdong forest one day. It was Ushi's ambition, I gathered, that this would be his um, superannuation, you know, the, but his children now have inherited those plants and, you know, people like me keep the stories going that honour him and, you know, Pinjara people who'd done all that hard work before him. Oh, they're so red. Oh well, that's oh, cheating. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's baubles in there. They are baubles, so that's what I think they look like. So these these are last season's crop, so they're quite crunchy. They're quite mm. crunchy, but they've still got their flavour mm. and still got their colour, and they'll reconstitute just fine. So you'll just put them with hot water and yeah. So I'll just put them in the saucepan uh, on low heat. It depends whether I feel like a sweetener or not a sweetener. Sometimes I put honey there, really nice, just with a light honey, not too strong, and simmer them. How long? Ah, and simmer them until they're saturated. I can't tell you how long for. Yeah, mm. yeah, they just you know twenty minutes maybe on a low simmer, enough for them to reconstitute, to rehydrate, and get plump. And they do. They so that those will go. Those ones which are now really crisp will go mushy. So I make these, the tarts I make, 
have the pastry base, but then I'll lay the stewed fruit as a puree on the bottom, and then I'll pick fresh fruit oh. and and arrange the fresh fruit, so like a French flan a la Ubuntu style. <laughs> I'll lay the fresh fruit on and top. And you're not going to cook the fresh fruit, are you? Oh, and then yeah. I'll put them and in the put, oven oh, okay. and I'll cook, the, so it gets recooked. Um, yeah, and that does make a difference, the fresh fruit, the flavour, well, the the texture of it softens and the flavour just sort of mellows and spreads with the, the stewed fruit below it. Yeah, oh. so that, and but they look really beautiful with the the fresh fruit on top. Uh, the other thing, I mean, if, if listeners want or you want, I've got notes of how to grow them and then just some photo, lots of beautiful photos of, you know, some of the things that sure. we've been doing with them. Are they on your website? I should put them on my website. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, I've got them just as a printed out flyer that yeah. Hannah across the road generously did for me for the festivals. Yeah, oh, I could email them to people. Yeah. So really, if you really want to eat condoms, you could, and you can't buy them here and you don't have a friend, it's going to take you seven years to... Mm. But that's that's just... all right. Everyone should be investing long-term in Alice Springs. <laughs> um, not just short-term. And it's not just investing long-term in Alice Springs for you. It's for, you know, our kids and generations to come. It's for, for other people to enjoy. Mm. Um, yeah. And it doesn't, you know, I would never have thought that I'd get productive fruit within, I didn't think I'd be here, well, who knows where I'll be. I'll I'm be really inspired, and if you don't mind, I did actually take one of these seeds. Do you think I could go home and try and plant it? No, you can't take one, you can't plant it, you need to do the pudding, the pasta bowl dish I'll method. I'll do the pasta bowl dish method. <laughs> yeah, so you just lay it, so you, it's like... Just being a, you're a chook, you're just putting it down next to its neighbour and next to its neighbour and next to its neighbour inside the the concave bowl of soil. Yes. So and without that, even soil on the top? With or? just the mulch on top, with the light mulch oh, on top. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it but I want to give you a dozen more because two's pathetic. It's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, give me a dozen more. <laughs> Come this way. You go, Rita. Oh, I was going to say, have you ever cooked with Quandons? Thanks, Fiona, so much for your I was going to say great. thank you, Fiona and Rita, for that very lovely and generous interview. Yes, uh, and Fiona has even more stories, so I'll probably edit up the, um, the, the long version of that yeah. interview as well. Yeah, It sounds good as a podcast on its own, yes. Yeah, she's a, she's a font of uh, Absolutely. knowledge. Yeah, with Quandons. Lots of things probably, but yes. That was great. Um, have I ever cooked with quandongs? Yes, I do. I have, like with when we were talking about snow peas and other sort of fresh ingredients, I have done a lot of two for me, one for the bowl, two for me, one for the bowl type harvesting of quandongs. But certainly I've cooked them, yeah, I've poached them. And I remember years back when we were doing a lot of the experimenting with the Desert Festival and, and partnership with Afghan traders in the, um, the, the bush foods, oh, wild yeah. foods uh, cooking competitions that we used to have so yeah I've played with condoms quite a bit they go uh, from memory they go very well with chocolate they do go very well with chocolate mm. yeah I've actually cooked a um it's called a Montmorency cake yes with um quandongs instead of cherries mm. and that's a beautiful cake I'll just sort of give a really brief overview yes. of it so we're sort of coming back to the cooking show we are aware we're over time sorry folks we get it, we're getting we're moving on very soon oh well I'll, I'll just summarize it which is just you kind of make this really dense chocolate cake while it's cooking, you stew your quandongs or your cherries in with um, a bit of alcohol and sugar. 
Yes. And then when the cake's cooked and cooled, you actually pull out all the middle of the cake and you mix it with the fruit and then you put it back in and you let it sit for 24 hours. Yes. And then you put a chocolate ganache over the top. And I really like that because you get to have lots and lots of fruit with it and it works beautifully with quandongs. And then on the top I've done chocolate-coated quandongs as well mm. as just poached quandongs mm. over the whole cake. Yum. That sounds absolutely delicious. If people wanted to find that... Recipe, Montmorency cake. Is it from a particular... Yeah, it's actually from a... Well, it's from a very old time life cookbook, but I can put it up on my Facebook page, yeah. Montmorency, is is that a US thing? No, it's a French thing. Montmorency, yes. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Okay. And you can't really... Again, you can't really buy buy quandongs anywhere. I know Raylene Raylene Brown from Kungas is... uh, I think she's got lots to say about quandongs. Yes. Certainly there are trees around. And can we briefly, we should, and can we please Mm -hmm. talk about that idea of of planting for the future and, uh, you know, and others to share and not necessarily just ourselves in that they are something you could grow and you think, oh, well, that's seven years before I might get any fruit. That's a long time. Why bother? Yeah, because, I mean, you know, Alice Springs has got that reputation of being a transient place. So, you know, I know a few years ago I really wanted a uh, black mulberry and I was like, oh, well, you know, everyone else has got one. How come I don't have one? And I really had to sort of have a commitment to the future and go, well, I'm going to plant a a black mulberry. Mm. And now, of course, I'm getting lots of black mulberry because I'm still in Alice Springs. But I really like that idea that we should all be planting, you know, foods here, and particularly foods that do really well in this climate like the Kwandong. Yeah, absolutely. I can't believe it. I've been here 20 years, Rita. I don't have a Kwandong tree. No, I'm but I can fi- give nearly you... Nearly 15 years in my one house. <laughs> now that you know how to... Now that I know I've got to lay it like a them. chook yes. in a bowl of sand, then... Um, and then put some... Um, best I get on with that. Yes, some mulch on the top. Yeah. 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 No, I get the I get the concept. I've just never got around to it, as, as the saying goes, so... And time look, to do that. Yeah. And before we leave Kwandongs, I did track down a new Kwandong beer called um red scented devil yeah uh, and we we did we have tried it we had a sample as far as i understand there was an article in the advocate today about oh was it today well look i haven't fact checked that so i did see something on facebook last night and it had raylene brown from kungus can cook and the crew from the earth sanctuary out at well yeah you know the earth sanctuary if you're in alice springs or if you're not in alice springs then google it they've yeah collaborated with some kwandong syrup and beer brewing to make a a very local yes slant flavored beer which is available at the Gapview hotel that's right. free plug for those guys <laughs> they don't even know hope they're listening uh, but there you go there's probably many more stories that we don't know about so if there are and you're sitting there listening and thinking oh why didn't they even say about that that's boring yeah then uh, facebook message on kitchen yeah. radio or email rita at uh, rita at katani.com.au thanks that's easy and uh, please, yeah, get in touch with us, i.e. Rita, at Kitchen Radio on via Facebook. Yeah, and just encourage everybody to start planting quondog trees. Yeah, absolutely. And yep. all the other things we've been talking about. Yep. Fennel, oranges and asparagus. asparagus. <laughs> but if you are growing asparagus, perhaps think about taking it with you when you move house. Well, I like that idea as yeah. well. Yes. The quondog you should leave behind. Uh, you should plant it for the next person who yeah, lives in that future. space. Yeah, for the future, yeah. But the asparagus, maybe you want to take it with you. Yeah, yeah. And I like that idea <laughs> of, yeah, bring your asparagus but leave your quandong behind. Oh, I like it. Okay. Have we got other must-be-said things or are we done? I think we're kind of done right. today. Yeah. Um, to finish off today's show, we've got a song called Peach Tree, which Laurencia Grant 
gave to me. And Laurentia's here joining us tonight. And Laurentia, in fact, just ate her very first Kwandong while we were Hello. listening to Fiona. Can you hear me? Yes, you're yep. on. Can you hear you? Hi, everyone. Hi, Beck. Hi, Rita. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never eaten a Kwandong until tonight, so that was a bit special. I was just saying that I thought it was going to drip down my chin, but no, there's... <laughs> <laughs> the juice oh, was Rita, that br- sorry, that brings <laughs> us to that thought, though, which we'll have to cover another week, but how we name things in a misleading way. Oh, that's right, yes. Call the desert peach a kwandong. So, yes. of course, you're going to think it's like a peach. It's juicy. Juice is going to run down my chin. Yeah. But no. No. It's and It's probably inappropriately named. I think so, too, because, like, the bush banana is not like a banana. Nothing apart like from a banana. Shape. Yes. But um, back to your sorry, first kwandong s- experience. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Lorenzo. <laughs> no, but I, I did enjoy it. <laughs> That's kind of all right. I'll say. <laughs> Are you going to go and plant a Kwandong tree or put uh, some of I, those seeds? I down? must admit, I've missed the instructions, so I'll have yeah. to listen back to your show. Okay, about that. Or just go and see Fiona. I think, yeah, or I just go. go and check out her website as well. Beautiful, Great. beautiful yeah. garden tree. I reckon, give it a go. It is really we beautiful. We should all be giving it a go and yeah. not putting it in the too hard basket. And I just love the way you suddenly look up and there's these beautiful red mm. baubles hanging off a tree. Mm. So. Um, the the song, the, yeah, the peach tree, <laughs> the peach tree song. So this is um, by a band called We Two Thieves, and I saw them play at the Port Ferry Folk Festival. And uh, We Two Thieves is made up of Mama Kin, and Mama Kin is the stage name of Danielle Caruana, who is from Fremantle, and she's married to John Butler. So Mama Kin's oh. her stage name, and Emily Lubitz is from a band called. Tin Pan Orange, and they're from Melbourne. So Emily Lubitz and Danielle Caruana joined to form a band called We Two Thieves. And, yeah, they did this fab- fabulous performance, Port Ferry, one year. And this is one of the songs. Okay. Well, thanks, um, We Two Thieves, for inventing a peach song. Just perfect for our kitchen radio. Fantastic. Well, you have a good week, Beck. We'll see you back here next week at 5.30 on Kitchen Radio. Here's a collection of faces for radio. Here we are. Thanks for listening.